On this episode of the One Third Two Breeze podcast, we are talking baseball finally with our friend Jay from the WA podcast. Also, the World Cup is over. Casey might be sad, but we talk about the finals, semifinals, and our best experiences with it, as well as a little NBA free agency news. And with that, let's start the show. All right, we're back with another episode of the 132 Breeze Podcast. This is Marlo, live from Chicago. And I got my co-host Casey. Casey, how are we doing today? Doing all right, Marlo. Doing all right. The, uh, a great day and a, and a sad day uh, with the uh, conclusion of the World Cup. Conclusion of the World Cup. You knew it was coming. You knew it would come a time, but it's still a sad time once in a while. It is. It's uh, you know, it's it's just like the the Super Bowl for for football fans. I mean, it's uh, you're looking forward to it, and you know, it's the kind of the culmination of the season. But then it gets over, and you go, okay, how many more days until <laughs> until the the next football season starts? And here. How many days till next World Cup? And it's like fourteen hundred days. It's not worth counting down. Don't uh, <laughs> don't start the countdown yet. Okay, well, I guess we're here to try to get you through it. Yeah, get, try to get you through the sadness of the World Cup being over. But before we get that started, did you you know how was did you have anything go on this weekend? Uh, we had a a good little kind of stick around home weekend, but I do have an update for all the fellow fans who've been asking about the fish slash aquarium update. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were lucky enough, if you want to use that term, to win uh, three fish at a carnival here <laughs> here uh, in our hometown, and uh, one survived the first week long enough for us to name it. And now it survived another two weeks, which is long enough for us now to buy a legit aquarium for it. Uh-oh. So now the one, we presume goldfish, not really sure, uh, but let's go with goldfish, now has a beautiful 6.5-gallon aquarium uh, that I did not anticipate owning ever. <laughs> so here here we are. Congratulations to Eli the fish. <laughs> Eli. Eli. Eli yeah. the fish. Welcome to the family. Yep, it's great. It's well, great. So keep it going. That's the that's the fish slash aquarium update that I know everybody <laughs> is tuning in for. All right, thanks for the Eli the fish update. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for being a fan, Eli. All right, World Cup. Uh, World Cup. Yeah, we last obviously we last left. It was down to the final four: France, yep. Belgium, uh, England, and Croatia. Yeah, it's uh it's over. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just just thinking back. I'm gonna miss, you know, kind of the seeing all these players I know from their club teams coming together trying to play on their national teams. Uh the celebrations of patriotism, cultures that we see uh out there, uh people in my life caring about soccer for a little bit. That's fun. Uh and just having sports on during the day, Marlo. That's yeah. that's over. That's going to be sad. You have yeah, having sports on during the day. Gonna have to wait until March again for that to happen yeah. at some point. Uh, meaningful sports, anyways. I too will miss miss some features on soccer. Uh, the I'm definitely gonna miss the uh, the Neymar challenges out there. Uh, those are <laughs> those are very entertaining. The the names it's like um, like Mbappe, Mbappe. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the throwing of the beer by the by the English the Englishmen. 
which I think Darren Ravel told us that last time they wasted $10,000 worth of beer on their last goal scored. Um, so I'm going to miss Thanks. those images from the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really neat seeing those other celebrations. I saw uh, a French celebration today, and the comment was, why aren't they throwing beer on each other? <laughs> like, what are, they, what are they doing? I don't understand. It's pretty great, but yeah, it's it was really cool to see uh, a lot of the kind of the viewing parties uh, across the different nations throughout the tournament. So again, something that I'm going to gonna miss. But <clears throat> as you mentioned, we left off. I guess our last podcast was before the semifinals. France defeated Belgium one to zero. France essentially got their one goal and just sat back and said, "Belgium, you're not going to score today," and they didn't. A lot of the commentary I heard was pretty negative towards France's approach to the game especially the Belgian players after the game were really not happy with the way that France played but France just sat back and said Belgium you score all your goals on counterattacks uh, we're not going to let you do that and they didn't I thought it was a really good game plan by France and they played uh, it very effectively when Mbappe got that yellow card for just basically picking up the ball and going home trying to waste time yeah that was probably the funniest thing I've seen at the World Cup yeah, a lot of people did not like that. <laughs> that was really poor sportsmanship. I mean, it, it, maybe it was. Uh, maybe you give a little uh, excuse because he's 19. Um, but it, it, it did look bad. <laughs> it wasn't the best sportsmanship, but whatever. Whatever. I thought yeah. it was fine. I thought it was funny. On to uh, Croatia, England. Uh, Croatia beat England 2-1 to one in extra time. Uh, England scored on a, a really beautiful set piece from uh, Trippier uh, of it. In the fourth minute, I believe it was, uh, just a great set piece uh, shot. And then essentially England just tried to hold on. Uh, they couldn't. Croatia scored uh, partway through the second half. And then from then on, it looked like it was either going to penalties or Croatia was going to win. England just wasn't really able to generate anything going forward. Croatia with their uh, midfield, which I think we talked about earlier in a couple podcasts that they had such a, a talented midfield and were able to control the flow of the game. Just didn't let England get anything going forward. And then sure enough, Croatia scored uh, towards the end of the second extra time uh, and and took the game 2-1, to one, which it was a, a pretty heartbreaking loss for England. And I know a lot of people uh, that I talked to at least were supporting England, so it was a tough loss. We'll continue talking about England losing because then they went <laughs> on to play the third place game, which before we get into the actual game, mm. uh, Marla, how do you feel about a the existence of a third place game. I didn't under I didn't understand why there's a third place game in the World Cup because there's only one trophy, right? There's only one trophy. It's the, it's a World Cup trophy, and it's the only yeah. thing you're playing for. So why why would you play? Why do they have a third place game? So I didn't end up watching it because I, I thought about watching it, and then I realized it was a third mm-hmm. place game, and I didn't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't watch a team <laughs> play for the you know the, the second person to lose. I get that, and as I kind of as I watch it and kind of talk to some people about it, that was kind of the general sentiment of, and I think it's the way that our knockout tournaments work here. You know, the NCAA tournament, you never you have you never have that. But I think, I guess to me, uh, not to me, but uh, I think as a fan. Fan of a country or, or your you know country's team, I think it it's nice to have a little differentiation between uh, third and fourth. Uh, you know, you can say you made it to the semifinals, but to say you finished third place, I think, is even a little bit of a better notch uh, in your belt uh, for that. So I think, I mean, if the United States was in a 
third place match, I would be ecstatic and be rooting very hard for them to <laughs> place third place instead of fourth place. So I can see uh, why it wouldn't matter. But I think from a fan standpoint or just kind of a, a bragging standpoint or, or something like that, why I think it would be fun to have or, or fun to be a part of. And it's always tough to watch the game because the general sense is that the players need to be motivated and maybe they don't really care about it. But watching this game, uh, granted, it wasn't the most exciting game, but I think both teams wanted to win it. And uh, maybe it's not to the extent that a final would be, but it's definitely more than a, just a, a friendly game. So can you it get ends up you, being somewhere in the middle. Do you get like social clout? Do you get something for like seriously for winning the third place game? You know, I mean, like in the Olympics, you get third place. Like it's a bronze medal. Like it's, it's something tangible. You get I, away. You you can, I don't think you get it. I don't think you get anything. Like you don't you you don't get a a plaque or something. But well, like, no, I that's think what I your mean. country. But does like your team can say your coach can go home and say like we took third place right in the tournament for Belgium. This is the best that they've ever done for England. It would have been the second best winning one time before. Right. Like, I think that's but that's do they significant. get? Can you take away and be? Can they like go make commercials and stuff? Because like they were third place in the World Cup. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, <clears throat> but I think uh, uh, more so. It's kind of like if England, you know, Belgium had won. This is the best they've ever done. That's significant than just making a semifinal. Uh, and if England had won, it's kind of a hey, you know, this is the you know best we've done since we won the World Cup. This is this would have been a significant step forward in in the England for England's national team. Uh, so I think there's something there. It's just not. I don't think it's talked about correctly i think it's talked about much in the way that you're thinking about it of, of who really cares and these players really don't care and they don't they don't really matter i think it matters to the fans i think it should matter to the players uh that whether or not they finish third or fourth especially for a, a country like belgium or england where it means something if you're brazil and you're in the third place game yeah then who cares right, right. you've won six world cups this doesn't matter but outside of you know those three or four teams who have multiple World Cup victories. I think it's it should be significant, and maybe we didn't get it in this game. Um, Belgium winning two to zero again. England just being unable to generate any sort of offense outside of set pieces, which I guess as the tournament went on became a frustration for me as somebody who was kind of rooting for England uh, to go farther. Uh, also, I thought they played a bit of a defensive lineup, which seemed weird. I think they just Again, to your to kind of your point, maybe they didn't go go for it like they should have. Uh, they played uh, Delph for uh, Deli Ali and Dyer in for Henderson, so it seemed like a much more defensive shape they were going to take uh, for the game. Um, but Belgium didn't care and scored two goals on counterattacks like they had uh, throughout the tournament, except against France. So I thought it was somewhat entertaining, but I think the narrative around it hurt the game because I think. Both teams did try to win uh, or did care, but the narrative was that they didn't really. So, I don't know. I go back and forth on third place game. I'm glad it's there. It's another game of soccer I can watch. <laughs> and um, I think it I think it matters to the fans. I think it matters to the England fans and the Belgium fans, whether or not they finish third or fourth. So, I would wish that the commentators and the players would see that out. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but that's... anyway. Far too long to talk about the third place game now. Yeah. yeah. Well, the biggest travesty of the, of the third place game is there was no beer lost in England. 
uh, yes. to this game because there were no England go- sco- goals scored. So. No, no England goals. No reason to throw beer at each other. They all yeah. they had to, they had to just drink it. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. it. <laughs> so maybe that uh, eased the loss. They didn't have to waste any beer, so they could consume it to drink away the the pain of finishing fourth, which is still a great result for England, but. Um, yeah, that was third place game, which leads us to the final, which happened today. Marlo, how did you did did you first of all did you watch? Did you partake in the largest collective human experience that we have? Uh, I have a we- confession. <laughs> I, I was unable to watch the games. Oh no! I did watch the re- I did watch the highlights. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was on. I was I was doing adult of- things. That, I was doing adult things this morning, and then had to travel back from Madison today, and didn't have time to watch the whole game. All right. Well, you miss out. Um, I think largest is the best way to describe it because the the way they kept saying in the broadcast it was the mm. greatest collective human experience, and I didn't that didn't quite feel right. I feel like we should have as a human something greater than a <laughs> collective experience than a soccer game. Yeah, so I think like largest, like more the most people are sharing this experience, and that was kind of a neat sentiment, I guess. Yeah. Um, How did you watch? But we game? got. I actually uh, successfully watched it. On tape delay. Whoa! In 2018? Yeah. In 2018, I turned off my phone, went to church, and I was I planned on watching it with a group from my church, so that's why I did this. Uh, and I volunteered for something at church before I knew that it was the final, so I couldn't get out of it. Poorly not planned. True, not a true soccer but, fan. But I, I successfully I turned off my phone like and avoided everything, um, and I didn't know the outcome until I actually watched it. Um, and I think there was eight people that I watched it with who did this uh, as part of uh, as part of the group uh, to tape delay it, and I think half of them ended up having it ruined somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, the lesson: don't try to tape delay things in 2018, even though it worked for me this one time. Uh, but this was the first game that I actually watched uh, with other humans in, like, with oh wow, physical humans present. So that was interesting. That was different. <laughs> Everything else, you know, was either at work or at home. I guess like. My son was there, you know, but he's yeah. two, two and a half, so he's not really partaking in watching the game. Uh, so it was fun to have uh, other people there, although they were cheering for uh, Croatia as I was rooting for France. Um, but I guess I won out in the end on that. Uh, but we got to see it was a, uh, I thought it was a great final, crazy final. Um, there were six goals in it, which was the uh, next most since 1958, where there were seven goals. Um, we had an own goal. We had a penalty kick given on VAR, so we saw some VAR uh, magic there. Uh, Manzukic scored for both teams, which seems hard to do, but he pulled that off. And uh, Hugo Lloris had one of the biggest goalkeeping mistakes <laughs> of all time in a final, and it ended up not mattering. <laughs> it was a crazy game. Um, and then, uh, I guess, watching the game, uh, Paul Pogba's goal was great. Uh, it seemed like... Uh, it was great to see him get his goal. He's been, um, I, I, I'd say, one of the more scrutinized uh, soccer players in the world with his mo- big money move to Manchester United. And he's done so much of kind of the things that don't show up on stat sheets for France during this tournament. Uh, to see him get the goal and kind of get that moment of celebration and joy that he had, I, that was great to see. And then... A couple minutes later, Mbappe scored as if to say, remember me, I'm the next big thing. He's only Here's 19. Cup. He's only 19, if you haven't heard. If you haven't heard. He's 19 years old. He's the first teenager to score since Pele in the World Cup final. So I guess that's 
pretty good company to be in. <laughs> yeah, the Hugo Lloris mistake, uh, I think, made it at least interesting because it was four one France at one at, at that point, uh, and then hit <laughs> just this terrible bonehead play where he uh, the ball gets passed back to him and he tries to beat Manzukic as he's running at him and just dribbles right into him and Manzukic Manzukic ah, I can't say it. Uh, just kicks it in, steals it from him, and kicks it in the goal. It was an unbelievable uh, boneheaded play, and uh, at least made the last twenty minutes or so a little bit more tense as it was four to two, and I, I think you know more entertaining. So France ended up holding on to win uh, four to two. Uh, just a a really exciting game and an outcome that I believe I picked before the before the tournament. So one of the six, yes. One of the six, yeah. yeah. One of my six six uh, <laughs> projections, <laughs> predictions of the tournament. Uh, but I, I think overall, I, I mean, looking back, it was one hell of an entertaining tournament. I mean, just the individual uh, plays, you know, seeing what individual players could do on their national teams, the weight that some of them carried, uh, the tension that was through a lot of games, the penalty kicks and the knockout stages. You know, a rel- I, I thought a relatively high-scoring uh, tournament, a, a, a great final, pretty good semifinals. I mean, all all in all, what an entertaining uh, tournament in a couple couple weeks of soccer. Yeah, it was very. I mean, as a casual fan, obviously, it was entertaining uh, soccer to be on. I think it was made more entertaining by the U.S. not being in it. Mm. Um. Just because you had to watch everyone else, I think I feel like for me, it's like if the U.S. was in it, I'd watch USA games. Maybe, yeah, you know, some the bigger matchups here and there. You know, little Ronaldo, Messi, um, yeah. and I probably wouldn't have taken in as much World Cup, uh, just because. Interesting. Yeah, I just I would have I probably would have focused on the, on the U.S. So, being forced to watch, you know, we'll call it forced. Yeah, being forced to watch the rest <laughs> of the World Cup, uh, it, it made it. Made me kind of go more into it and got to see yeah. that that you know that entertaining soccer. Yeah, well, I, uh, you know, as a as your coach, I guess I appreciated your soccer fandom for uh, these past couple of weeks, and we'll see you again in four years <laughs> in Qatar. <laughs> see you Qatar. Actually, well, we'll get to that later. Yeah, because they messed up with Qatar, man. Because it's oh, gonna be it's, in, it's gonna be in November. And yeah, it's gonna be like right apparently what fo- football season. I don't know if you knew this, Marlo, but uh, Qatar is basically in a desert and it gets hot there. So <laughs> maybe putting a tournament that happens in the summer there is not a great idea. I don't know. No. I feel I've been so <laughs> they announced that Qatar would be hosting uh, the 2022 World Cup uh, four years ago because I think they announced it uh, before uh, the last World Cup in Brazil or during the last World Cup in Brazil, like they announced that U.S. would get 2026 this year. And I feel like I've been complaining about it for four years. I'm going to complain about it for another four years. It's been nonsense. Every time it comes up, my blood just starts to boil because, well, I guess it's lessened a little bit by the fact that the United States got the 2026 bid because we should have gotten the 2022 bid because Qatar should not be hosting a World <laughs> Cup. It makes no sense. Zero sense. Ah, uh, no so sense. Every time, every time I talk about it, it just... I honestly, my blood boils, and I just get so frustrated. Um, it's a, it's a country, so they <laughs> apparently it's hot. Yep, and they pitched some futuristic 
uh, technology yeah. of how they're going to cool the fans of the stadiums. Spoiler, drones, it doesn't exist. Drones that fly over, this, like a huge drone, basically an alien ship that can fly yeah. over stadiums and air condition in it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fantastic. Ha- you just, it's out there uh, on YouTube. It's pretty fantastic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, which may or may not be actually feasible. <laughs> Spoiler, it's not feasible. Um, also, they have, I think, one stadium that will fit uh, or that is large enough to be like World Cup uh, quality or, or size or whatever. So they have to build six other ones. Um, it's a country the size of Connecticut or something. Like it's incredibly small. And they're, in this World Cup, they're talking about how crowded the cities are with all these you know fans coming in. <laughs> well, I have fun in Qatar when it's a, it has essentially one city. Oh, anyway. All right. I'm on my soapbox. Oh, I need to settle down. Got triggered. It's got triggered. Oh, back to this World Cup. This was a great World Cup. Uh, I think we ended up with a, a deserving winner. Uh, I think France uh, was a deserving team to win the World Cup. Not that the Croatia wouldn't have been, um, but I thought throughout the tournament, France showed uh, that they were able to play well both offensively in games against you know Argentina and here against Croatia, scoring four goals. And play well defensively against games like uh, games like Belgium in, in their group stages where they just kind of prevented teams from scoring. And they had kind of the moments of brilliance uh, to to get those goals and enough attacking uh, through their the talent of their players to uh, get the results. And I just thought it was a, a very good tournament by the French team. And I thought they were kind of deserving winners. I don't think you'd look back and go... Uh, that they, they like snuck it away out or something. I, I thought they were... Um, the best team in the tournament, so it's good to see that because you don't often get that in in knockout tournaments. Um, some of the awards that that came out, uh, Luka Modric from uh, Croatia won the Golden Ball or MVP or more associated player or whatever it was. Uh, technically, is uh, which I think is apt. He was the best player on uh, the Croatian team who made a surprising run to the final. And on France, I think you just had too many people. Uh, who put in solid uh, performances and kind of, I guess, split the vote on that. So I don't know who else you would give it to. So that seems fine to me. Uh, Courtois won the uh, Golden Glove. So the, the best goalie in the tournament seems fine to me. Mbappe won the Young Player of the Tournament. Mbappe. Absolutely. I don't know who else that would go to. And uh, Harry Kane won the Golden Boot uh, by taking... He had six goals, which I think it was like three penalty kicks, one that went off his foot, and then like two actual goals. So, congratulations, Harry Kane! Uh, and that was uh, that was the World Cup. Yeah, that it was. Also, I give Fox a like D on their coverage of the World Cup. <laughs> um, it was I don't know. It was it was it was lackluster, and they never ever ever played. The World Cup anthem song. Yeah. Not once. I could just hear it in the background after every goal was scored, but they never played it on air, which is just sad. And, and we'll definitely leave you with that song today because it's going to be the last time we hear it now the World Cup is over. I don't know. I thought it was it was fine. I didn't watch much of the, uh, I guess, outside of the game's coverage. Um, and maybe that's an indictment of Fox that I wasn't interested in, in any of that. Uh, but... Yeah, I think there were things that could have been done better. I thought that the American announcers, uh, so when it was, you know, you know, during the Mexican games they had a Hispanic announcer, and then in a couple of the games they had, I think he was Scottish uh, announcer, 
But the American Hustlers just, I don't know. They seemed almost uninterested at times. And I thought <laughs> yeah. they took away from, yeah, from some of sure. the games. Especially the one, um, not the one who did the final, but JP something and uh, Tony Mioli, Miola were dreadfully dull. I yeah, thought. it was not. Just yeah, really, it was not a good crew. They did not have good crews. They, the crew they did the final was okay, right? But the alternative American duo was was pretty bad. They were just dull, and I thought they took away from the game. Um, so I don't know. I th- I, I think. Now, remember, this could have been Gus Johnson doing these. Games. I know. I thought I thought Gus would make at least one appearance, maybe a voiceover during but, penalty kicks. But they didn't. No, he. Uh, what if they got? Just, what if they had Gus Johnson just for penalty kicks? That'd be awesome. <laughs> that seems totally feasible too. I don't know. I don't know. It could have been Gus Johnson, and maybe that would have been a little bit more exciting of the announcers. But I think it's definitely something that needs to be worked on uh, between now and the next World Cup because I, they just. Not that they took away from the game, but they didn't enhance the game or they didn't add excitement to it. And when you would watch like the Mexico game with the, I think I forget the Hispanic announcer's name, who does it, but he added to the game. He made it more entertaining. Um, and you know when you listen to uh, you know British announcers who do EPL, they add to the game. They make it more entertaining. And the Fox announcers, I just don't think did that. So I don't know. Add C or D. Your D that you gave Fox. Well, looking ahead to the World Cup 2022, I already complained a lot about it, but it's going to be in the fall slash winter in the small country of Qatar. Um, or Qatar. Odds are out. F- yeah. Qatar or sure. Qatar, however you say it. I don't know. I'm going to say Qatar. Yeah. If I'm wrong, with I apologize. And then we'll just be right. right at some point. Yeah, we covered both our bases. Yep. Odds are out for... Uh, World Cup Brazil is the favorite at six to one. France at plus six fifty. Germany seven to one. Belgium twelve to one. USA coming in at sixty to one, which is the sixteenth best <laughs> odds to win the World Cup. Uh, host nation Qatar at one fifty to one, which is a terrible value. They're not going to win, so the fact that they're one hundred and fifty to one is amazing. Um, but. Yeah, I think France, uh, Brazil at six to one. When the World Cup comes around, they're going to be four to one or better. So, or, or worse, I guess, from a betting standpoint. So that seems like pretty good odds there. Uh, but already looking ahead to World Cup twenty twenty two, it's like fourteen hundred days away. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I I can't wait. Uh, I will. It'll be a little bit friendlier to our time zone, so it'll be a little bit later in the day. I think um, during football. But yeah, during football. No one's gonna. It'll be during the day. It'll still be during the day, Marlo. So oh, okay. It will be. It will be. Uh, uh, not when football's on. <laughs> so, All right. Well, we'll. It'll see. be during the season. So. Yeah, we'll see. And that's World Cup. Twenty eighteen. We made it through. That was a lot of World Cup. Let's take a breath for a second, <laughs> and yeah. we can get back to stateside. A little bit more free NBA free agency uh, has gone down this week. We'll just report Isaiah Thomas to the Nuggets. One okay. year, two million. One year, two million. Oh, I, I guess I just wanted to talk about this because a year ago, a year and a half ago now, he looked like a max player. Yes, you know it was yeah. somebody was going to give him a max contract. He played through a hip injury, had surgery, came back, just wasn't the same player. I mean, it's crazy to think how his fortunes changed literal not just fortunes luck but literal fortunes yeah. like money in the bank changed in 16 18 months and i almost 
I feel bad for him. You know, he played through the, the the pain in the playoffs, had an amazing playoffs for Boston. They don't reward him. He gets traded and just it it doesn't work out. Now he's two million when you're two million. I mean, obviously this is a deal to get one year and and show that he can be that impact player that he once was, and, and maybe he can. But man, what a fall! What a tumble for him. Yeah, huge fall from grace. Yeah, he went from. Like you said, MVP, like MVP conversation, max deal guy to one year, two mil guy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's, 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 that's what happens when you get on the bronze shit list, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The big one it's is just big, typical of our podcast, <laughs> typical of our podcast. It all comes back to blame LeBron. We're not even done with it yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, the big one of the day was Jabari Parker. Yeah, in the in inner podcast signing here. Yeah, so the the Bucks uh, the Bucks rescinded their uh, qualifying offer, so he's free agent and signed with your Bulls. Did he went from uh, Instagramming that he wanted to go play basketball and was playing basketball on a street ball court to being a Bull the next day? Casey, this one hurts me it's really coming. bad. He's he's coming home. It's oh, Chicago boy. God. It's so it's and one okay one it's another Dookie and let me know if you heard this before. Uh, hmm. Top tier one, a top one and done player mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Simeon with knee surgeries. Yeah. Hmm. hmm hmm. Who does this sound like? Yeah. Oh, the the Bulls have any history with a player like that? <laughs> I don't know, but this one doesn't even include an MVP, and he already has yeah. some surgeries. And what did he average like ten points a game last season? So twenty millions for a ten point game guy who can't really guard anyone and has knee problems. So now we have total of three knee surgeries in our projected starting five and <laughs> zero playoff appearances between them. What is like? What is the? What is going on? Like it's one thing to be bad, but it's one thing to pay to be bad. That's just it's, this yeah. is bonkers. It's just so I. Just when I thought, just when I thought the Bulls organization was like they were in it to 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 the long game, they were in it for the long game. These last couple of weeks, they have shown me they don't know what that means, and they're they're trying <laughs> to get back, and they're just going to stay in this like me. The worst part of the NBA basketball is to be like mediocre, is to be that eight, seven, six seed that yeah. doesn't do anything because you can't, you can't, you can't do anything with that. You just can't do it. Ugh. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you're right. At that spot, you can't rebuild through the draft, and that's really the only way for maybe not for the Bulls, but kind of from a Bucks perspective. You know, you're not signing marquee free agents in Milwaukee, and it seems like Chicago's having a similar difficulty kind of getting those guys uh, to be interested in playing there. So you have to build through the draft, and being a mediocre team doesn't allow you to do that. As a Bucks fan, I have kind of. I still haven't figured out since this news was announced how I really feel about it. If the Bucks had given two years for forty million, I would have <laughs> hated that. Uh, but it's tough to see him go. I mean, maybe it's just kind of uh, at this point. I should just call it, you know, a, a lost cause and, and give up on it. But you know, he shows flashes of potential, and he kind of always had that. If he can just put it all together, if he can just stay healthy. Uh, you know he could be a, a a key offensive player for this for the Bucks, and he just was never able to do it. And it's just kind of hard to give up on that. Um, and he was a you know a, a great teammate, great 
you know, member of the community, you know, gave back all of that. So he seems like a really great guy. Um, so it kind of hurts a little bit to go, but I, I just, with where the Bucks are, you can't pay this kind of money to risk, to risk this kind of money or, or this kind of um, contract on an unknown as far as health goes. But I think the Bulls can. I think the Bulls can risk the money or risk you know the the cap space to see if he becomes an all-star player because if he does great maybe you're competing for a a playoff spot and i know we just talked about maybe (laughs) being that six seven seed isn't isn't great but you know that's still something i mean it's something to root for and if he doesn't then you know what then you take (laughs) you're back where you started and he has a knee surgery so i think it makes more sense for the bulls kind of on the the upside that he can be an all-star player Granted, I don't know exactly where that leaves the Bulls. If he, let's say, he comes back and is an All-Star caliber player, I don't really know where that leaves the Bulls. I don't think that they're competing for anything with that. Yeah, no. So to yeah, your they, point, they keeps, maybe that doesn't make sense. I keep hearing the argument around here, around town, that it's it will help bring a bona fide free agent in, which I don't necessarily believe. Um, you know, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Like say the. the the case scenario that's been pointed out was, yeah, if they make if if Jabari becomes a good player, they have these other players and they get to that you know eighth seven seed, they actually make the playoffs and it's like oh we just need that one more big time player. Oh, to, so it sets the go, team up so that they to go over the hump. And I just I don't I don't believe it. I don't believe it works that way. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean look look the, yeah, the, look where the greatest player went. He went to a team that wasn't even sniffing the playoffs. Yeah, he's done it. He's done it three times. And he's one, you know what I mean. So, eh. yeah, I don't, I don't know that that I would agree that that logic doesn't make a lot of sense. That signing Jabari is going to make it more likely that yeah someone will want to come to Chicago uh, to play. And now it just seems like you have a, a cluster at forward. You have oh, they're going to play him at three. <laughs> uh, they're going to move him. They're going to move. They're going to move him at three because I don't know. I, I I don't get this whole thing. It doesn't. <sighs> Woosah, woosah, but it just doesn't make it. It doesn't make any sense. See how it plays out on the, on the court, and and hope for the best. Yeah, hope for health for Jabari. Uh, I don't know. He can't. He can't guard anyone. It sounds like Laurie Marketing can't guard anybody. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They're score a lot of points. That's right. Wendell Carter better make up for a lot of <laughs> defensive. Uh, out of defensive holes, I guess, because it seems like they're all over the place on on the Bulls. But maybe they can outscore. I don't know, and maybe that's where the NBA is going. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but uh, it's, it was weird. And forty million, and uh, two years, forty million. I guess I think there's a option in there. I'm not sure yeah, which way it goes, but yeah. so, but even one year, twenty million. That's a that's a lot of money. With uh, kind of you kind of think of. Uh, Boogie Cousins, you know, he got one year, five point three. Uh, we just talked about Isaiah Thomas getting one year, two million. So people who have injury questions, uh, getting much, much less money. Uh, and even similarly, like DeAndre Jordan got one year, twenty three million. Well, that makes sense, right? He's like, is Jabari Parker at one year, twenty million, the same as DeAndre Jordan at one year, twenty million? No, it's that's like a different caliber player. I think a different risk level that the Bulls are taking. So it seemed like a lot of money. Maybe the Bulls have it to just throw away, but I don't know. 
It's a it's a weird contract. It's a weird signing and a weird contract. Yeah. Uh, yep. Totally. Totally agree. All right. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, did you see that moving LeBron on. went to is living that LA lifestyle already? He was How seen great. going to dinner with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and and Al Pacino. At the same dinner. At the same dinner. It was those three at dinner. At dinner. Yeah. At the same dinner. I wonder. I mean, that's a weird combination <laughs> of people, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know. I, yeah, I just picture the three of them sitting there. I, I couldn't imagine the stories, but I just see like, you know, I see LeBron just being, you know, just giving every one of his pitches, all of his movie pitches, all of his <laughs> merchandising pitches. Uh, and yeah, just as all his, his, his entertainment studio pitches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for uh, well, LeBron Phil No You. I imagine, imagine Al Pacino just he just talks at that like yelling voice like I don't know in my mind that's the only like level he can talk at anymore. <laughs> like, <he's>, yeah. <laughs> so Al Pacino's just yelling at DiCaprio <laughs> and LeBron and uh, bizarre. That is bizarre. What a weird combo. Yeah, very weird. Get just get ready to see more of that. It's just going to be all that. Um, if you're a TMZ fan, that LA lifestyle. LA lifestyle. Did you see the LeBron? mural went up and that is now down oh yeah yeah Did you see this yeah that was that was all kobe right yeah so they put up a the king uh it was a barn mural i don't know where it was it was somewhere in la uh but it was like essentially said the king of la yep. and it kept kept getting uh defaced vandalized yeah yeah, yeah to face or vandalized so they took out uh of I think the guy who made it took out the artist who made it took out the of so it was like L.A. King or something like that, uh, so as to soften, uh, I guess the the verbiage of it so it didn't look like it was overshadowing Kobe for some reason, um, and that wasn't good enough and it kept being defaced and vandalized so he just <laughs> whitewashed it and took it down so. <laughs> I, Congratulations, all the the Kobe fans! Uh, what a bizarre! It just seems bizarre. It's such a bizarre dynamic. But Co- I just see, I kind of just, and then now I just picture Kobe like chuckling to himself in his room. Yeah, he's like, he's <laughs> yeah, he's just like good, good work, yeah. good work, uh, fans of mine, <laughs> taking that down. Which I guess I figured, and I know there are strong Kobe supporters and and, and whatnot, but I didn't realize like. It was a Kobe town. I mean, they've had Shaq. They've had Wilt. They've had Magic. I mean, they've had Kareem. Like, is Kobe viewed as, like, the best basketball player of L.A.? Is that how he's viewed? I, I don't know the I don't know the best. I, actually, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the power rankings of, uh, the power rankings of, of L.A. Lakers that people have put out. And they'll, they'll put, like, they'll put, like, Magic, LeBron, and they'll put, like, Kobe down at, like, five or something. Um, but <laughs> but um, I, it's the most recent, you know. He was yeah, he was the most yeah. recent, and he was really long. You know, he, people forget he came yeah. in as eighteen. You know, was there yeah. for I don't know twenty yeah, years, yeah. eighteen years. Um, I mean, they retired two of his freaking jerseys, Jesus. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I, I think it's a recency thing. Um, he's their most recent superstar has brought him a championship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess. It just it seems like a, a town with that much, you know, the history of the players that they've had there and and kind of the basketball legacy that to, 
protect Kobe so much, his uh, legacy. I guess it's a, was just a little surprising to me. Although I get that, you know, the new guy who you've cheered against for however many years who comes to your team, you don't want to, you know, anoint him right away. That makes sense to me, I guess. But like, I just was surprised that it was all Kobe backlash. But maybe it is the recency, uh, recency of it. All right, now that we are at the All Star break, is it about time to talk baseball? Yeah, World Cup's over. We have to <laughs> NBA free agency. You know, now we're left talking about Jabari Parker and Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> I guess we should start. I guess we should start paying attention to baseball. A little baseball. It's been yeah. happening for a couple of months now. Yeah. Um, Dog days of summer. Yeah, here. and yep. And we had an interview with Jay from the WA podcast uh, to talk all things from the first half of the baseball season. Uh, as well as the all-star selections, uh, who's in, who's out, surprises, what, and and a little bit of a little bit of Brewers talk, a little bit of Cubs talk, a little bit of White Sox talk, um, and then you know there was a little sprinkle of NBA in there at the end. Yeah, it was a good uh, a good conversation. I guess two things that happened uh, since that podcast: the all-star lineups were uh, finalized. We talk about Snell uh, not being on the all-star team in Aguilar uh, from the Brewers not getting in, uh, but they ended up being named to the team. And since our interview, the Brewers forgot how to play baseball. <laughs> they lost six straight to the Marlins and Pirates, including two and extra innings. Today, they blew two saves in one game. Ugh. So, uh, other than that, here's the interview. <laughs> All right, we welcome to the show Jay from Double Yay to talk a little baseball. Jay, how are we doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Definitely excited to uh, to reciprocate um, on uh, being on each other's podcast. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. I know that usually you have more than one name in this, Jay, so if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, <laughs> feel free. Well, normally I do a, uh, a sports-based pun uh, that also has food involved, uh, but recently I realized there's a lot of baseball players with uh, food names, Mike Trout, Daryl Strawberry. Um, so those are usually my go-tos. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we decided that uh, since it is the ceremonial midseason of the baseball with the All-Star game coming up, we should finally start to talk baseball on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so that's why we have brought on Jay. As Marlon mentioned, we're at the approaching the Midsummer Classic here on the break. And I guess the, the most recent news was the All-Star teams were announced uh, last night, I believe it was. Um, and I guess, have you had a chance, Jay, to look through that? Do you have any big uh, snubs or somebody who is, I guess let's go snubs first. Anybody that stands out who didn't make the team? Yeah, and and it's funny because the uh, we were actually recording uh, my baseball podcast, Double Yay, as the uh, NL roster came out. So we were like uh, the, the first ever breaking news in Double Yay history. So that was pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, no, I mean, so, you know, like every All-Star vote, there's always the post all-star roster group of people like the last ditch effort guys that uh that make it in um you know i don't know that you guys are are, are brewers guys i was bit, definitely a big jesus aguilar guy uh going into this i mean you know 22 home runs 63 rbis you know the, the, over a thousand ops uh, really just topping overall in the over in, in the in the nl um especially in the first basement class that is um He's strong, but not not su- superior in terms of you know positions uh, in the NL. Um, guys like Jed Lowry from Oakland. I don't know that you know a, a guy like him who's really just kind of like lit the league on fire. Kind of lost a lot of his uh, excitement to a guy like Glaber Torres, who plays in a bigger market, who's got a fun story. He's a rookie. He had a, a 
a good month really where he was just on a tear. Um, and then the other ones that kind of stick out to me are uh, Charlie Morton of the Astros, you know, top five in, in the AL in ERA, um, just a part of that strong core of pitchers in Houston. Um, and, and Blake Snell, who's another guy, you know, really strong pitcher, leads the AL in ERA at 2.09. Um, and just another small market guy who's just not getting his due, um, largely due to the lackluster performance of his team. Yeah, Chris Archer uh, didn't take too kindly to him being. Uh, <laughs> he five. didn't. He didn't. Yeah, a lot of these guys have uh, they have uh, very strong opinions on uh, on their brother and making the uh, making the roster. Yeah. Okay, so those are some some interesting ones. I know that you mentioned Jesus Aguilar is uh, in the what is it, the final four that can be voted on uh, for the NL. So correct. You know, Brewers fans get out there and and vote on the internet somehow. I'm not sure exactly how to do that, <laughs> but uh, the Brewers Twitter has a big uh, campaign out there for that. Right. Uh, and then as you look at the lists, is there anyone who you think you know shouldn't have been on the team that, that made it maybe based off uh, name recognition of past accomplishments? It sounds like you might be hinting at the person that I'm about to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said this on the podcast last night, and, and, I, and I stand by it. Um, 21 home runs is cool, um, but I just, I just don't think that Bryce Harper is a, an, an all-star starting caliber player this season. Um, there's no question about the talent. Clearly, he's one of the best young players in baseball. And, you know, the, the Washington team as a whole has just been underperforming, just kind of sitting, hovering right around 500 the majority of the season. Had a couple good wins this this past week. Um, but, yeah, it's just like he's kind of the head of the snake, and he, he hasn't really done Bryce Harper things. And it just it, it makes me wonder, and, and it's it's inevitable in some cases, like, you know, you look at a guy who's – young who's about to come up on some big money most likely by the yankees but uh you know you hope that maybe he, <laughs> he ends up with uh with somebody uh, i don't know like the cubs for example um but nonetheless um he just he struck me as a guy who hometown kid i mean the, the all-star game is in washington so it definitely makes sense to have his presence there um but yeah just a, a guy who just i don't know doesn't get me excited uh, as far as like major league baseball players another one you know for the white Sox fans out there I don't know that Jose Abreu was the the <laughs> strongest choice at first base. Uh, personally, I think Winch Mullen is having a much stronger season. Um, frankly, it, the the AL roster is weird in general. Like for for a league that has, I mean, the the argument leading up to the All Star voting was like, God, this this shortstop class it's so strong. I mean, you've got Lindor, you've got Correa, you've got Machado, and only two shortstops make the roster. I, I just don't understand. Well, you gotta you gotta throw a bone at the White Sox, man. They gotta have at least, <laughs> have at least one All Star in this this run of theirs. And who else fair. is gonna play really play first base? It's that that position in the AL has has been has been kind of weak this year. That's fair. That's fair. Just in general, yeah. So I guess if there's if there's one bone to throw, um, then it's the Cubano one uh, that we've got out there. Congratulations, Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from from players, kind of thinking about the game in general, there's been uh, maybe not some recent changes. One of them recent, the other one a little bit more distant. But uh, I was kind of thinking back to my uh, childhood memories of the All Star Game, or you know, a couple years ago, and I wanted to see if these changes uh, that have been made, um, if they have kind of added to, taken away from, or really had no effect on either your interest or kind of a general fan interest in the game. And the first uh, is interleague play. I know it's been around for a while now, but do you think that the interleague play has had any effect on people's interest in the All Star game? I think to some extent it has, um, because you know, as as a as a baseball fan, you look at matchups. This best pit, the best pitcher in the AL versus the best hitter in the NL, the best closer in the game versus one of the most clutch hitters um, in the opposite league. Um, mm -hmm. And and intermingling interleague play throughout the season has really taken a lot of the wonder out of 
those potential matchups. Um, so now you go from having, you know, I mean, all we talked about was, oh my gosh, could you imagine Mariano Rivera versus Edgar Martinez? And those are, well, I guess not Edgar Martinez because those guys battled against each other, but you know, you have like an Eric Gagne versus like a, a David Ortiz. And you're like, oh my God, we, we, we wish we could have a matchup like that. And this is the one day of the year where we actually get that. Or a couple years ago when, uh, who wasn't it Kurt Schilling who called out uh, A-Rod and he was like, I'm going to pitch you up three fastballs and you're not going to hit any of them. And they were, that was building up until the day that we actually watched the game and he, he fucking did it, which is insane. Uh, sorry if I don't know if I could cuss on this podcast. Yeah, no, go, go for it. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, um, it, it takes a lot of the wonder out of it. I mean, you, you see these guys throughout the season, uh, sometimes more than once in some cases. Um, and yeah, it just takes a lot of the excitement out of, out of that, you know, the, the, the midsummer classic. Uh, See, I, he, he, he sided <laughs> just with you, Casey. I think yeah. we and Casey were talking about it before we hopped on, and I was like, yeah. I don't know. I kind of I liked it when we went to interleague play for uh, everything you just said, so I can see those, you know, during the regular season. Yeah, yeah and I think, too, like, to, to, to Marlo's point, like, it's inevitable that guys are going to get snubbed from the All-Star game, so there is the case to be made that, like, okay, there's guys that are, <clears throat> you know, All-Star caliber guys who are not going to be able to compete against each other in the All-Star game because there's only so many spots on the roster, so it does give you more opportunities for those chances. Um, but I don't know. There's just a shroud of mystery, not only for the all-star game, but leading into the playoffs. Like when two teams match up in the world series, if they haven't played each other throughout the season, it's just, I don't know. just gets me excited. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely give you the one for the playoffs. It's that, that sense of mystery of what, what, what are you going to do? There's nothing, you know, we haven't played each other. Right. How are these strategies going to be played out? Um, you know, uh, not, not knowing that, that personnel. So I, I can see it that I can see it that way for the playoffs. The other uh, change that has been made and then I guess unmade was the game outcome of the game actually mattering um, where the uh, winning uh, league would then have home field advantage in the World Series. Um, I guess you can talk about it both ways here uh, if you'd like. Uh, if the game mattering affected fan interest and then now that it doesn't matter if you anticipate that affecting interest in the game. So I think early on when it was when it became a thing, um, it did generate some fan interest because, you know, if you're, you're going into that game knowing that your team is tops in its division, tops in, in, in its, you know, respective league, whether it be AL or NL. Um, like I know in 2016 when the Cubs were the best team in the NL going into the All-Star break, you're thinking, well, shit, we got to win this game because, you know, this means a lot for the World Series potentially. Um, I just don't know that. I don't know that the message got to the players, <laughs> frankly, um, which is the unfortunate part. It's like, here we are as fans, just like biting our fingernails and just hoping that the al- outcome of the game is um, in our favor. Um, and then it's just like, you know, it seems like every other year the AL wins anyway. So like, I don't know. I was never a big fan of the rule to begin with. Cause like I said, I just, it, most of these guys are on vacation. They're there with their kids. They play an inning here, maybe an inning there pitch, you know, strike out the side and they're done for the day. So it's just, um, it, it felt like putting a lot on, a little like something that that really couldn't be controlled by the players and even those people who did you know were who, who were the, the the guys who really put it all out there uh for the all-star game it's it's few and far between yeah okay. yeah i couldn't imagine being a player that had that had a shot in the playoffs going to the world series and then on the mound is some last place team pitcher right exactly uh, and, the, and the, the, your, the the, your season is potentially in that guy's hands right so yeah i don't know i was never a big fan of it um but I don't know. I guess I could care less if if it if it ends up being in my team's favor. Huge fan. If not, I'm really against it. So it depends on how the season unfolds. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things the baseball All Star Game has compared to any other league is that it's played for the most part at full speed, like they do uh, all the other games. Right. You know, unlike the you know NFL, which is just a flag football game, NBA is just a 
Globetrotter dunk contest. Right. Like you would never see like you would never see Big Poppy on the mound in a, in a Major League Baseball All-Star game. Like right. you'll see J.J. Watt go out and take a pass or, you know, Shaq trying to cross over Allen Iverson in, in a, you know, the, the NBA All-Star game. But um, I agree with that. Like it's, it's the one All-Star game. And granted, it's true to form, right? Because like baseball is the one sport that just kind of stays true to tradition for for good and for bad. And you know, there's there's no there's no way that you can shy away from like. And we talk about this on the podcast all the time. It's like I'm a big ba- basketball guy too. We have another podcast called NBA, um, and there's a there's a noticeable difference in terms of the way that NBA players carry themselves versus the way that baseball players carry themselves. And there's there's a lot of tradition behind baseball. And despite the fact that it is an ex- exhibition game, it, it definitely is taken more uh, seriously to to some extent um, than than any of the other um, you know all star quote unquote games. Kind of looking back at the first half of the season here, are there any like storylines that we're missing out on that we haven't touched? Uh, you know, I think the Dodgers are a team that was, um, were talked about a lot in the beginning of the season just because they floundered. They've had a lot of, uh, injury problems throughout the season. Clayton Kershaw has been in and out uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, injuries in their, in their rotation in general. Uh, but then you have a guy like Matt Kemp, who's just like found the fountain of youth and, you know, is arguably having an MVP season and starting in the all-star game is like a guy who you never thought was going to come back to the Dodgers is now here and, and making an impact. Um, you've also got some storylines with like Cleveland who, is sorry marlo is he's in the worst division in baseball or they're in the worst division in baseball and not you marlo although technically by association you're in the worst it doesn't matter um but in any case you know you've got a team that's effectively got just i mean it's they've got the division put on a silver platter and yes they are up 10 games to minnesota who's got 39 wins on the season um and it's just a, it's a weird team where like their 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 window for victories is closing ever so quickly like the what, what what was once their strength in their bullpen is now their weakness and you know they got some really good young offensive players and jose ramirez and, and francisco Lindor. but um you know they're a team that i'm paying a lot of attention to um and i think I, i'd be doing myself a disservice if i didn't talk about atlanta like a, a team that everyone saw as having a lot of young prospects and ozzy and acuna you know still having guys like mark Hakis and, and freeman just kind of being the the veteran presence um and really just taking two maybe even five steps um ahead of of schedule um and really kind of taking the nl east by storm i mean you know neck and neck with with philly going into the all-star break but um just a really great story in general from 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 that team yeah i saw them in in person on uh last thursday and uh ozzy he him running the bases is something to behold it was a this looks like a fun young team like you mentioned but also mixed with that uh veteran presence yeah it's just it's just the perfect it's the perfect mixture of of veteran leadership but not like crotchety veteran leadership like freddie freeman's 28 years old you know he's still very much in his prime um even like a nick markakis and and i mean i guess kurt suzuki are effectively the oldest guys on the roster but you know just across the board very young roster you know dansby swanson is having a, a better season better relatives of past seasons i guess he's still only hitting 246 but um you know just like the, the the guys that they have on their roster are really um they're just sparking hope in an atlanta franchise that has been going through pretty severe um rebuilding period over the last couple of years um and it's really across the board like not only is their offense really exciting um but their their bullpen is incredible uh and their starting rotation you know with uh mike I never even try to pronounce his name, Fulton Newix. Um, just really just just holding it down uh for the city of Atlanta and um making making them exciting and, and scary for a, a guy who roots for an NL team. Yeah, 
Freddie Freeman, free, uh, sneaky tall, sneaky tall. He's like six five. <laughs> you would never guess. You know, he he doesn't carry it yeah. well. No, it was. If we take a step back from the All Star Game and kind of thinking about uh, the game of baseball and uh, I guess fandom in general, uh, it seems to me that uh, baseball fans' interest in their own teams is increasing right at an all-time high that you know that seems to be improving but interest in other teams and i'm guilty of this myself seems to be declining do you agree with that sentiment across kind of when you look at baseball fans yeah it's baseball is by far like one of the most just regionalized sports um and i think a lot of it just has to do with the personnel in the game um part of the problem with like with the nfl and the nba the players and the storylines about the players and their teams dominate the news cycle. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot, and a lot of it has to do with like their social media presence and they're just kind of their, their faces are more recognizable because they're everywhere and they get commercials and this and that. And a large part of what, what makes baseball harder to follow across the board is that a good portion of their best players don't speak the native language of, <laughs> you know, of, of America, frankly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard when, when your most marketable stars don't speak English. Um, and it's hard to really connect to people when, when you don't really, I mean, frankly, you don't understand what they're saying. Like a guy like Shohei Otani comes in and, and is just lighting the league on fire. You know, a guy who, who can pitch and also hit effectively. Um, although, you know, recent uh, injuries have, have taken one of those pieces away, but you know, he's a guy who people can really get behind and people can really get excited about. Um, and it just, it's hard to get connect, connected to those guys. It's, it's hard to, to get, akin to like and making a connection with these guys and it's it's just kind of been the the problem throughout baseball for for really the last couple of years is just like connectivity to the entirety of 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 baseball now i will say that that playoff baseball you know you can pretty much put that up against anything there's there's rarely anything else that's more exciting than playoff baseball i mean you can give me hockey maybe but football and 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 the nba don't hold a torch to to playoff baseball Uh, but yeah i would completely agree that just throughout the season it's just uh the uh the news cycle is um uh, lackluster to say the least. Do do you contribute some of that to Major League Baseball not getting into social media or not like allowing other people to, you know, reuse reuse clips or footage in their in their own social media? One hundred percent. And I think we talked about this a little bit earlier where where baseball is very much a traditionalist sports. Uh not only the people that, that run baseball, but the fans of the sport um are very much traditionalist and like you do everything, you stay in line. Like um <laughs> uh baseball fans are like hall monitors um and, and nba fans are more like you know the kids who smoke weed in the hall um on their way to third period like that's just what it is like baseball fans are hall monitors and they're kind of crotchety um and it, it makes it makes for it, it may, there's some, there's some good aspects of that because you, you keep to the integrity of the game like some people that watch basketball really dislike where basketball has gone where you you get away from kind of traditional things that people are accustomed to in basketball to now everybody shoots a three and um it's kind of predictable um to that effect like now granted some of the money ball things that have happened over the last couple of years have changed baseball to some extent um, where it's now basically a, a strikeout or home run league, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, has some pros and cons, but yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with just like just major league baseball's um, inability to adapt to the changing culture as a whole and not really adapting. Like that's the one thing that the NBA has done to make their game, not only big in America, but globally um, they've really allowed their players and, and really just kind of taken full advantage uh, of the way that people communicate today, like people aren't sitting down watching, uh, you know, I mean, they'll watch their regional games. Maybe they'll watch a, a Sunday night baseball, but uh, I don't know. People aren't like clamoring for this shit. Like, where are my where are my top 10 wedge gems? Like, give me give me something to get excited about. I mean, and for me, you know, I me mean, especially like I think 
with Casey, like it's hard to follow other teams, but like right now my team sucks on purpose. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's even hard to try to follow that. Cause it's like, oh, it's just so frustrating anyways. But, <laughs> but like if there was, I just feel like there's not enough content outside of the game, every game to like really draw me into, yeah. into the rest of the league. Yeah. I remember when we started WA, I was just, you know, when I, when I started the basketball podcast, it was like, okay, who are my Twitter follows? Done. Woj, Shams, <laughs> like yeah. Mark Stein, easy. Uh, football, you know, you've got your guys, you've got, there's, there's plenty of people that you can follow on that front. And then you're like, all right, well, who am I good Twitter followers for baseball? <laughs> Ken Rosenthal. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like, okay, well shit, that sucks. Uh, there's no baseball players that have any real social media presence. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, uh, the news cycle is just not there. It's just very, it's very much a stats driven league. This person's hitting this, their yep. war is this, we get into this rabbit hole of whose wins against replacement is highest and whose FIP is best. And, uh, and that's all fine and good. Um, but people get driven by stories. Like people want storylines. People want shit to get behind. They want, they want, uh, you know, they want a narrative. I feel like right now there's not a lot of, uh, personal rivalries. I mean, even team rivalries to a point, but like even, you know, personal pitcher, batter rivalries, uh, or, or even just people that don't like each other. There needs to be more people that don't <laughs> like each other. Yeah. Like if you look at the 98 season too, like it wasn't animosity between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, but there was a storyline. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. we're, we're, they're chasing something, right? They're, they're chasing history. This is something that hasn't been accomplished in, you know, 40 years and, or maybe longer, 60 years, whatever it was. Um, and it's just th- that narrative really got baseball back to a, a place where people were paying attention again because there were some dark years in the in the early 90s and late 80s where people were just kind of like out on baseball much how they are now um and i think too like part of being able to grow the game is to grow with the younger generations like if if you're running a business you're looking at lifetime value of a customer like <laughs> you can keep um you can keep uh appealing to the 60 year old uh, uh demographic but not to be more, but those motherfuckers are going to die, man. And yeah. then you're going to have no fans left. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to appeal to a younger generation, and you have to do so in the way that they communicate. Like, Major League Baseball, get a good Snapchat account. Try that. Get a Musical.ly account. Go crazy. Yeah, we're here for we're here for Major League Baseball PR. I'm sure they're listening, so they'll be expecting a call for, <laughs> sure, uh, for uh, sure. Rob Manfred is going to be calling you in a minute here. I almost yeah. said Bud Selig. Is that right? Uh personal question uh looking at i guess how the season's been and, and kind of going forward as uh the brewers and cubs seem to be uh destined to uh it looks like go to the uh to the final game here or at least pretty close uh what's your outlook on on the brewers and their kind of playoff chances this year and maybe is that what you really even... think casey <laughs> final game? Yeah. what it's do i really th- think it's wishful yeah. thinking <laughs> come on now no here's what i'll say during the offseason, the Brewers were one of the only teams who really made a push to to make an impactful uh, change to their team, to their roster. You know, going out, getting Christian Yelich, going out, getting uh, uh, Lorenzo Cain, um, really just kind of shoring up that that component. Um, you know, Eric Thames obviously had a, a great season last year. They've, they've made some moves this year. Jesus Aguilera's is really stepping it up. Josh Hader's like the next coming of Sandy Koufax. I don't know what the fuck happened there, but that guy's incredible. Um, but yeah, like... It's uh, it's a team that's really well orchestrated and, and and situated for a deep playoff run. Honestly, I think maybe they could use some some additional pitching depth. And there's also some rumors out there that they are making a very strong push for a one Manny Machado, um, which just scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, definitely don't want to see that. Uh, if if he's gonna get traded anywhere, I'd like to see him get traded to 
shit, I don't know, Arizona, <laughs> somebody who's less intimidating. Uh, but yeah, like the, the Milwaukee Brewers team, like this, this reminds me a lot of the year when they went out and got CC Sabathia and, and really made a push um, for the playoffs. And, and granted, it didn't result in, in a World Series win, but it really was a really strong effort in the second half uh, and a strong push, you know, going into the playoffs. I think what's going to hurt ultimately uh, the the Brewers uh, to, to hold that top spot is that historically speaking, since, since Joe Madden has been the manager of the Cubs, uh, they've always made a really strong second half push. Um, and we've had a lot of weird injuries this year. We, we've had injuries with uh, Chris Bryant, with Jason Hayward. Uh, you know, guys have been out. Uh, we lost some pitching depth here and there. Uh, U Darvish is that U Darvish. Um, never mind. Yeah. That's for another podcast. Uh, but in any case, uh, you know, we've had, we've dealt with a lot of injuries and still we're sitting right there at, you know, at game and a half behind the Brewers in first place. Um, it's going to be an exciting race. Um, but yeah, I think if the, if the Brewers can make some moves come the end of this month, you know, come, uh, trade deadline time, um, and the, the, the Cubs stay pat, um, I, we could see, you know, a Cubs wildcard team. I think the wildcard team, one of the wildcard teams is definitely coming out of uh, the central, um, you know, as it currently stands, but, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens the rest of the season. Yeah. You're, you're a Cubs guy. Correct. Okay. Casey, you guys, you guys want to put a friendly ba- wager on the line? Ooh, interesting, interesting. We can think I, about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we can think. We'll about have it. to take it off. Okay, take it off air. We'll think about yeah. it. I've got some. I've know. got some like goat things in mind, but it, it uh-huh. doesn't matter. We'll take it off air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll keep we'll keep it updated uh, via Twitter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Speaking of two teams that are going to the playoffs. Uh, the White Sox aren't going to play off. Breaking news, <laughs> <laughs> but they are—they uh, are trying to strive and, and make some moves so that maybe five years from now they're in the position that your guys' teams are in. Maybe, uh, maybe. Do you, I mean, yeah. Do, do you see them? Are they? Do you see them making the right steps, or are they just kind of destined to be bottom feeders for? quite some time i mean so major league baseball in general is really excited about the white Sox, and i, and I think for for good reason um you know they got a lot of really young talent in the minor leagues you know Eloy jimenez is um somebody who you guys got from the chicago cubs and the, the jose quintana trade you know we've got uh michael kopech like there's a lot of guys in your in your farm system um that are top 50 top 100 prospects in all of baseball and they're really kind of taking the same approach as you know the cubs took a couple years ago as you know you see the Houston Astros doing a couple years ago and, and really just kind of taking that trust the process type approach to to loading up on young talent um and and really setting themselves up for the future I mean you've already got some guys like Yohan Mankato and Tim Anderson and uh you know a couple guys in the roster that um are, are exciting and definitely um incite some excitement in the team um, and I think they're, they're taking the right steps the one thing I will say about the White Sox while the record on paper is not exciting um it is a team that uh is fun to watch and i think while while it is hard to, and trust me i went through this a couple years ago with the cubs where it's hard to watch a team that you know maybe fun to watch here and there and, and and you know put some 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 fun games out there uh but ultimately doesn't uh, produce the results that you're looking for um all signs are pointing to the white Sox really making a really strong push probably in the next two to five years um so if you oh, can great. wait that much longer great <laughs> Got nothing but time. Got yeah. Nothing but time here. I mean, what Eloy just turned what twenty one, so um, he has to be a, a December or December, pardon me, uh, September call up. Uh, but he's you know currently hitting like three seventeen ten home runs in in, in Birmingham. Uh, and yeah, just uh, I think the future is bright if if even five of their top. 
20, 30 prospects ends up being, uh, you know, a serviceable MLB player. All right. Well, I'm holding you to it. <laughs> We're not in the World Series five years from now. I'm going to come after you. There it is. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> All right. That's that's Jay from Double A. Uh, but before we let you go, uh, we you do have another podcast, as you alluded to, is MBA. Correct. Um, so I want to get a, I want to get your thoughts on the whole Zach Levine uh, <sighs> breakdown. <clears throat> okay. Um, I have been <laughs> I've been stewing over this for a couple of days now. Um since since free agency broke, I was just kind of wondering what were they going to do? Um you know, when when they made the Jimmy Butler trade uh last offseason, Zach Levine was kind of the get at the time. Now, mm-hmm. in retrospect, um it's definitely Laurie Markkinen. Um uh, you could even argue that Chris Dunn might have been the get at that time. Um so I'm of two frame of minds. Frame of mind one is they paid him way too damn much. Um, I, I didn't want anything more than 16. You know, for a guy that played 30-some-odd games, 20-some-odd games, um, and was inconsistent, to say the least. Now, inconsistent considering that he did come off an ACL injury, um, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, it's, it's a sample size of, of hopefully what he can be. His last season before he left Minnesota, or well, not before he left Minnesota, but before he, before he got injured in Minnesota, was quite promising. You know, he's a 20 point per, per, point per game scorer, uh, like 39.3 three-point shooter. Um, you know, definitely put up numbers that were impressive uh, in his last season. But um, it's a lot to ride on. Granted, he's still 23, but it's, it's a young player who you're unsure of, who still makes a lot of bad decisions on offense, who is not a good defensive player, um, but who also, if you're looking at the Bulls front office, like – what else were you going to do? You're just going to let this yeah. guy go. Like if you look at the fan base, if you, if you give up Jimmy Butler, who's depending on who you talk to top 10, top 15 player in the NBA, two way guy, all, you know, all-star all NBA, a guy who anybody would give up for anybody would trade for. Like that's, that's who you draft for. You draft for that guy and you have him on a, on a, a good contract. I'm still bitter about that. If you haven't, <laughs> if you don't get about my, my tone of voice uh, and don't, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like I love Laurie, uh, but I'm very bitter about that trade. Um, you give that guy up for you know a, a 22 year old, 23 year old guy who shows some signs of of an, a, a, an offensive skill set. Um, I just I'm still weary about how that sets us up for the future. Like if right. if bringing him back gets us to, and I think you and I talked about this, Marlon, when you came on the podcast. It's like in order to to, to really tank properly, you have to do it for like four or five years. Like right. if if the Sixers stopped after they got Jaleel Okafor, look what they, like they would be nowhere. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Um, it still remains to be seen. The 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 threesome of Chris Dunn, Laurie Markin, and Zach Levine only played twelve games together last season. So I, I'm still I'm holding on hope. If he ends up being the third best guy on our team in five years, um, I'm okay with that contract. And it's not terrible as the years go by. Like the 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 first couple of years are heavy, closer to like nineteen mil. But as it gets towards the back end of his contract, you know he's still only going to be twenty seven, twenty six. Uh, making $17 million a year. Like, if you need to, that's a tradable contract. And that's a guy who's definitely tradable at that age. And the one good thing that came out of it is that, and <laughs> I never said I thought I'd say thank you to the Sacramento Kings, but <laughs> the Bulls had no interest and no plans on putting any injury provisions in the contract. Yeah. And then the Kings did. So we <laughs> we returned the favor. So thank you to the Sacramento Kings. You set the Bulls up in order to put some injury provisions similar to the ones that Joel Embiid got on his contract extension um, that put us in a situation where if Zach Levine does have trouble coming back from that ACL injury, 
um, you know, we're we're not strapped, uh, you know, moving forward. Is that Lottie Devox call? Is it, uh, is I it highly, like highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that one on Peja. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, I had, a, I had a similar take. I just felt like Garn Pax didn't have the foresight to see this coming because they, they pigeon-selfed themselves into a hole. Yeah, what do you do? Um, Rock in a hard place, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, and then real quick, what do you think of the draft? Uh, honestly, so going into it, you're thinking, all right, either we trade up, and I there were some rumors going around that we were looking to trade up for that Memphis pick, which probably would have netted us Jaron Jackson, who was my favorite player in the draft, um, which I would have been very happy about. Um, but when it came down to it and we knew we were going to stay at seven, there wasn't really anybody else that made sense on this roster, um, who I wanted to give a, a chance to. There was definitely a lot of Michael Porter, uh, Michael Porter supporters out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that should be like his, his fan base, like his corner should be called supporters. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, like I was never a big Michael Porter fan. I saw a lot of flaws in his game. He's not a good ball handler. He's definitely not a good defensive player. Makes a lot of bad decisions. And uh, as I just mentioned, we already have one of those. So I uh, don't want another one. Um, I was a big fan of Wendell Carter through the draft process early on. When uh, and for the for, if there's any listeners out there who want to check out my podcast, we did do an episode with uh, Matt Hoover from Tankathon.com. Um, and as I was refreshing Tankathon.com throughout the season, Wendell Carter kept coming up. And every time I saw it, I just grunted and and just cringed a little bit. But Watching him um, throughout the draft process and watching a lot of his videos in preparation for the draft, uh, what you come to realize is, and you've already seen it early on in, in summer league, is the guy is a defensive stalwart. He can rebound at a very, very high level. Um, and he's also got a really good stroke from like 20 to 25 feet. Like I did not see that in his college game. He didn't do that often. Uh, but he's got a really pretty jump shot uh, for a guy who's like 6'10", 250. Uh, and I like him next to Laurie because one of the things that made Laurie really promising this year was his ability to grab rebounds as a result of Robin Lopez kind of clearing out the trash. Um, you know, that was the rest of the people trying to, uh, trying to get at him. So, um, I'm super excited about it. I think it's, uh, it may not be a sexy pick, but if the Al Horford comps are legit, I mean, you can't be mad at that at number seven. All right. That I, I, I we'll see. <laughs> you're a little, you're a little, you're a little higher on him than I am, but well, I'm very optimistic. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm not, I do not, not like it. I'm just I'm not as high as you are. That we'll just leave that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Casey, do you have anything else for Jay? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. All right. Uh, Want to thank Jay for joining us. Jay, do you want to let them know where they can find you at? Yeah, you can find me at uh, J underscore Keyless on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find uh, Double Yay uh, as well as MBA on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, any of the uh, podcast players you like out there. We also have a food podcast called Eat Yay Love. Um, so if you're into food. Last week, we did an episode on grilling um, as a result of the 4th of July. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out. All right. Go, go check out your boy. Thanks for coming on, Jay. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. That was Jay from the Double Yay podcast. Uh, we'll get into – I think we got one more thing to get to, Casey, uh, before we sign off here. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but have you seen uh, Very Cavalier at all? New show on E? I uh... – I've read an article about it, I guess, but I have not yet seen the show. It's uh, pretty much the best show on television. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you're a big e-reality TV guy because I'm not. I mean, uh, I didn't. I think I got into one of the housewives one time at one point because I believe they're all mobsters. Uh, and that was, yeah. I just thought I was watching Sopranos, but it was really the housewives. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but this one is great because obviously Jay Cutler, it's not a big part of the show, but he is part of the show. 
Uh, and that's those are those are obviously the scenes I use I uh, I live for. Tune in for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because um, Jay Cutler is exactly who we thought Jay Cutler is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen some uh, some of the quotes. Uh, I think the the quote of the last or first episode was that he's trying to do as little work as possible <laughs> from now on, which just I think could have been uh, maybe like his. A quote at any time in Jake Cutler's <laughs> life, and as a uh, you know, as a Packer fan, just seeing it, it's just not a long going. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun to root against this guy. Oh jeez, <laughs> so yeah, so great. I, um, it's it's just yeah, it's just classic Jay. It's the, <laughs> the Jay we all know and love. And that's the part is that he can do that because he <laughs> he has so much money from playing football. It's yeah. It's like it's it's so it's like bittersweet. It's like this is so funny, but at the same time, it's like you're right. He had the same attitude, but he's in this spot where he doesn't have to do anything because he made so much because everyone thought, oh my god, he has talent. If it's, if yeah. I could just unlock it, <laughs> we would be the best. Now he sits and watches deer cams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's oh, great. Yeah, it is great. Oh, it is great. Um, I would check it out. If you're not a reality TV person, uh, just for that point alone. Uh, that's really all I had. You got anything else for this week, Casey? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, just until next time, I hope your favorite teams win all the See you next week. One life, live it up, because we got one life. One life, live it up, because you don't get it twice. One life, live it up, because you don't get it twice. Strength in numbers is a force we can max. We raise our flags and put our pride on our back. We feel it like a champion when we shine our light. We got the power, make the nation correct. One life, live it up, cause you got one life. One life, live it up, cause you got one life. One life, live it up, cause you don't get it twice. One life, live it up, cause you don't get it twice. Roadblocks, one shot, one truth, no fears, one flag, all oh, year. We've been waiting for this all oh, year. We all at we right here. Jump as-